This is episode 30, Open Heart. Project Open Heart explores something that can be felt important, relevant, but also something that perhaps easily can be overlooked in ourselves and in our society. It's all about our relationship to our own and each other's hearts. The art works are six large pillars that invite you to stimulate both senses, intellect, body, in a cross-aesthetic way about the capacity and qualities of the heart. More than 420 volunteers from my local area have participated in this project, and it's supported by Danish foundations and sponsors. The participants are both children, youngsters, adults and elderly people. I have been working on this project for around four years. (laughs) And finally, I am here. Open Heart was inaugurated at a large national sport convention this summer as a cultural event in my city Svendborg. And now I'm planning to get the project further on as a traveling exhibition, both around in Denmark, but hopefully also abroad. And who knows, maybe United States too. That could be amazing. So I will try to walk you through the exhibition now. The exhibition can both stand inside and outside. So you imagine these large pillars, and each pillar is with a mixture of my art, photo portraits with quotes and highlights from interviews of some of the participants, with fact boxes from science and theory about what the heart also is capable of, beside of being a bomb. It's with children's artwork, invitations to interactive exercises and reflection questions about the theme. In short words, it's a mix between art, words, facts from science, feelings, intuition, stories and what I would say heart consciousness. So each pillar consists a mixture of small artwork from around 400 children in the age for seven to eight years and they come from all around the local city, Svendborg. They have made small artworks. This is how my heart looks like. For instance, many of the children have made small art pieces of who live in their heart. That can be family, pets, friends. And some of the hearts they made is a physiological heart and some of them are more symbolic heart. They also have um, interpreted well-known words about the heart. You know, the words hearts on fire. One of the children says, this must be like, my parents really like each other. (laughs) Or another example is uh, to get your heart broken. That means to one of the children, my parents hug me so hard, it breaks my heart. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's very funny. Then there are my art portraits of youngsters, adults and elderly people. The art portrait is with the highlights and statements from my interviews of the participants. For example, here a quote from Marianne. There is so much love and light in my heart and I didn't dare to go in there. I have experienced a journey into my heart. First there was an iron plate in front of it and I had to get rid of it. Then a door opened. I came into light, peace and love. I didn't think I deserved it. I thought I wasn't such a good person that I could walk into all that love. On every pillar there are fact boxes with the words, did you know that da da da? With source instruction and QR codes based on my research from science and theory about what the heart also can be capable of beside of being this physical bomb. 
I have especially been inspired by HeartMath Institute and their science, also by something called Hjerteforening, which is a Danish interest organization with focus on research and prevention and patient support for people with heart issues. And also a professor and neuropsychologist Paul Pachel. He was known to counsel people undergoing heart transplants and claim that these patients experience significant changes in personality after the operation, becoming more like their donors in temperament and personal preferences. Mm. Thomas is participating in this art project too, and he is heart transplanted. And he really has been feeling deep changes in his personality after receiving his new heart. Thomas says, After the heart transplantation, I start to have a feeling that I never had before. It has been going on for some time and kept coming. I get the urge to do something exactly the opposite that I have done before. I dress completely different. I'm quite sure I have got my new heart from a woman. This is strange and exciting for me to experience for what is happening here. And the works are also with uh, invitations for interactive reflection exercises. For example, see me with your heart. The concrete idea is to stand face to face with another person. Both place their hands on the heart area and in silence look into each other's eyes for as long they feel it's comfortable or quite comfortable. One can say it's an experiment. So can we see each other with our hearts when we look into each other's eyes in silence? I don't know, but this is an invitation. And on the pillars there are also my photo works with reflection questions about this theme, like the words, can you feel your heart right now? Along with the six large pillars, there's also a sound file connecting that switches between calm heartbeats Music work from a musician and sound healer Davor Bosik, a music number called Human Divine, and my silent readings of poems about the heart, my own poems, and also my guided heart meditation inspired from HeartMath Institute. My name is Linda Rieber, and uh, I'm an artist living in Denmark. And one can ask why I'm doing all this. I am very interested in the heart, in both the energetic heart, the creative heart, the intuitive heart. I have this personal experience of when I am in contact with my heart, I make better decisions for myself and find more inner peace in who I am. And that has created a curiosity in me in relation to investigating how other people experience their relationship to their own hearts. And it is with this background that I have recruited and involved the many volunteers from Svendborg in this project. And connecting with my heart means that I this um, I breathe in and out of my heart and, and I concrete ask heart for guidance. And when I do that, I feel that I get more clear and, and how to say, clean answers. <laughs> and, and it's not from my head where I have to analyze and go back and forward all the time. It's very prompting answers coming from my heart. And when I'm, I get these answers, I know, I know this is a deep knowing and, and I relate to that. So as an artist, I'm concerned in making art that invites for reflection and contemplation. When we reflect, we can move into a deeper space within ourselves, and we can put into perspective what it is to be human and what is important, both together and separately. And the heart is important to us humans, both concrete in physical life and health, in love and togetherness, in grief, and also to be intuitive and also in spiritual growth. Many people, especially children and youngsters in Denmark, are having trouble in inner mental balance. And for many of them, and all of us, I think, one of the ways to get into a better place is when you connect with your own and with other hearts. And how do you do that? And what does it mean for you and for anyone else? 
I think in Denmark we live in a culture where it's more normal to focus on training the brain rather than training the heart. And what will happen when we move our attention more away from head to heart energy, to heart consciousness? Welcome to the Language of Creativity podcast. Linda Ryberg. Yeah. It's such an honor to have you. It's a very big honor for me to be with you. Thank you. Um, yes, and this is such a cool experience. I'm talking in Los Angeles and you're in Denmark. And yes. we met in an online class and I saw your exhibition that you were sharing about and I just had to have you on the show because not only are you a public artist who's putting your exhibits out into public spaces, but you're talking about something that is super interesting to me. This idea that the heart has its own intelligence. Yes. And yeah. that it's very overlooked aspect of our human ability or our human experience in the modern world. And what a better way to reclaim that than through art. So I am so honored to have you on the show. It is so nice to meet you. And thank you for taking the time to join us for this interview. Oh, thank you, Stephen. Thank you. It's, it's great to be invited for this interview. I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, and exactly, you talk about the, in, the heart intelligence, and uh, I'm sure we have that. And uh, science have also proved that we have it. it. You can look into the science of from heart math, and then you you will get to know. Um, they they speak about the the little brain in the heart. You know that, Stephen. The Heart Math Institute is very exciting for me because. They're doing research scientifically into something that has otherwise remained the domain of poetry. And what I understand, and maybe you know more about the research, is that the electromagnetic field generated by the heart is four times larger than that generated by the brain. Exactly. Which boggles the mind. <laughs> yes, yes, that's incredible. According to HeartMath Institute research, the heart also functions like an antenna, which emits a magnetic field externally from the body that can be measured, detected over a meter away from the body in a radius of 360 degrees around your body. Wow. This magnetic field carries information about our emotional state, which can affect others around us. So our inner emotion can have measurable effects on others nearby us. Yes. So like Dr. Roland McCready says and asks us, how are you feeding the field? Yes. Well, I think as a musician, because I've always been so sensitive to that field, someone who, you know, is affected by others in a way that's very visceral and felt. And it it's part of what I think why I ran to music in the first place, because I was feeling the world. I was feeling all of this stuff, you know, as a child that it was hard to express because it was so much and it was so heavy. Yeah. And that's ultimately when I found out about the HeartMath Institute research, it was like feeling validation for something that was my truth. Yeah. You know, my lived experience is that my heart is an antenna. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it from a rationalist perspective, you know, cut and dry People say, oh, that's not true, or that's just make-believe, right? Yeah. And so I think that's what drew me to this idea. Um, I had also heard a similar thing. I have an extended family member who is a doctor and told me the story of a man who had had a heart transplant. Yeah and suddenly was craving different foods. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was really excited to hear your story uh, yeah. from the man who is in your exhibit talking about how it feels to have a different heart. Yeah. And to me, I'm so curious about the mind-body connection and what it is that makes us us, you know, what animates our bodies, what animates our souls. And obviously, as artists, this is the realm that we play in. It's the 
It's the playground of exploration that we are looking at as artists as we play with light and color and sound and yeah. and words and all these different things. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Now, can you explain the HeartMath Institute a little bit more for those who may not be familiar with it? Yes, um, they have existed for more than 25 years, I think, and they um, they they are in uh, California, um, but also there are heart math centers around in, in Europe and uh, Africa and um, many places, actually. And they have this institute where they're, they're doing science of um, physiological, um, in Danish, uh, psychophysiology. It's both about psychologists and physiology. Um, and they study a lot about heart-brain connection. Right. And they have... Heart-brain coherence. Yes, that's the yeah. one. And they have this e-health solutions for us humans when we get stressed. And they have uh, doing a lot of science about how to get in heart coherence. And this is when the biofeedback in you is in, in sync, both heart, brain and body. So they have produced many solutions for bringing us into this sync, you can say, or into heart coherence. Yeah, I was reading about heart-brain coherence is this idea that the brain and the heart have the chance to come into synchronization so that when you're making decisions, you're not making decisions from just one or the other, but they're in flow with each other, sort of like the idea in meditation that you would focus on your breath. Yeah. And that by focusing on your breath, you're suddenly more connected to all parts of your body. And that in connecting with your breath, you're calming the mind. And so what I guess they were finding was that, you know, brains tend to have a lot of static <laughs> and a lot of uh, charge and, you know, busyness and things like that. And often we can sort of run off making decisions we think we have to make and rushing around, hurrying everywhere and not taking a moment to really check in with the part of us that, you know, for centuries has been considered the place where your true feelings are, mm. you know, where your your true desires and wants and the part of you that connects to others in a way that's compassionate and connected and sensitive. Yes. And so to get those two parts of you in sync, it's not about losing your brain and not thinking because that doesn't work, but it's about, you know, just sort of like slowing down so that one can catch up with the other and that they can be in agreement with each other. Yeah. And it's such a cool concept. And I think if you practice that meditation, as you were mentioning, there's e-health solutions that they've developed, like, a, a, I believe, a wristwatch that kind of like helps to yeah. monitor whether your... Something called inner balance. ...system is in... Yes. And I just find it so fascinating. Now, you had explained a little bit about what had started to make you become interested in the topic of the heart. Can you share a little bit of your background in terms of art? Like, how did you become an artist and where, what were you doing before you started this project? Um, I think I have been an artist for more than 22 years now. And um, I'm also a member of the Danish Art Association, Billy Kunstnerisk Forbund, is it called? <laughs> and um, I think uh, it it all started with, um, it, you, you know, just the paintings coming out of me continually. And it's like it couldn't stop. It just had to, you know, there were so many pictures inside of me that needed to come out. And, uh, and I started to paint and I've, actually I've been drawing and painting so many years I can't remember, but I got a professional artist when back in 2000. And I've been doing a lot of paintings, um, actually from paintings related to Greenland, where I'm also from. I'm, I'm both Danish and Greenlandic. Yeah. I found out that Greenland is a part of Denmark's yeah. kingdom. And I didn't know there were many people living in Greenland. No, 
they're not. <laughs> There's only about, uh, I think, 55,000 people. So we, we are a small group uh, in the world. Wow. Yeah. So you're from Greenland, and obviously I'm guessing that the nature yeah. is pristine there. It's so huge. It's, yeah. The natural environment. It's uh, you're so small when you are in Greenland. You you can't even imagine. <laughs> you um you really get to feel the power of nature, uh, and the power of something greater than yourself. Uh, hmm. And it can be a rough nature, but it also it can also be extremely beautiful, and and extremely silent. So silent you can only feel your own heart pumping. Actually. <laughs> Uh, mm. um, so, but I've been very inspired by the historical Greenland and both of uh, the Inuit, as they call them, um, the shamans and mm -hmm. the the power of the nature people. And that's how I got started as an artist. And I have exhibited many times in, in Greenland, but also in Denmark and in Europe, and actually once also in United States, in Washington, D.C., um, mm. So I have I have exhibited many places, and I have also made a book back in 2010. It's also a book about how it is to be Greenlandic and the challenges of being Greenlandic, um, going from home rule system to self rule system. And it's actually it could be about being American. What it is? What is it to be American? And what challenges do you have over there? Or being Danish, actually. So, mm. yeah, it's about self-understanding as a human or a society. If you have a copy of it available for public, I will link that in the show notes because I think that would be a really good way to get to know you and your path as an artist. I wanted to ask, you had mentioned the Inuit shaman yeah. that were very influential in your paintings. I'd like to know more about that. Yeah. Um, the Shamans were, they were back there in history, but they're still here. And the Shamans are connecting between the real world and the spirit world. And they can do it uh, through many different kinds of ways, mm -hmm. but they are very much um, working with spirits to help humans for getting in balance or getting in contact with a deeper knowing inside himself. Yeah. Some of the shamans work with spirit animals. So it's, um, it's a very spiritual job, one can say. <laughs> well, you talk about that deeper knowing, and you mentioned that as a function of the heart or a function of being in better tune with your own heart or attunement, as you might say. Can you tell me more about that experience of connecting to a deeper sense of knowing? Yeah. Uh, like I said before, I, I often do this. Uh, I breathe deeper into my stomach and I breathe in and out of my heart. And I actually ask something very concretely. It can be hard. What do you tell me right now? What do I need to know now? Or what is your guidance about this subject? And, mm. and if the answer comes quite quickly, I know it's from an inner wisdom in me. And beside of that, I also connect a lot with nature. I collect with the Mother Earth and the universe uh, in my own way. And, um, and when I feel connected like that in my heart, I feel I am very much connected with something greater than just me. And it, it makes me deeply happy, deeply mm, conscious, actually. Do you know that feeling, Stephen, mm -hmm. in your way? When we were quarantined for the pandemic yeah, and there wasn't a lot of places to go, there were two places for me that were liberating. And one was nature, and we didn't have a lot of it, but uh, there were these pine trees that were behind the community swimming pool. And I'd stare at a brick wall, and I'd get my picnic blanket, and I'd sit with the giant pine trees behind me. And for some reason, that would help me to 
release everything that was held from being indoors and online school and trying to work from home and all those kinds of things. The second was meditation. Yeah. And my meditation practice got very strong after the COVID pandemic because I was under so much stress that I needed that daily, sometimes twice a day, space to go into the calm beyond. Yeah. And it was a, and is a saving grace for me. And like you said, it's interesting to be able to not only tap into a deeper sense of things, but also tap into a deeper knowing of yourself and maybe answer some things for yourself that you wouldn't hear if you weren't carefully listening. Yeah. Yes. And I completely understand you, I think. Um, when I'm too busy and not silent enough, I get trouble getting connected with uh, with both my heart, but also with the feeling of being connected with something greater than me. So it really requires silence. And yeah. Um, and yeah. Back in the coronavirus period, we really had to be more silent as a world, as as people. And and I think there was some, of course it was not, it is not a good virus for our health, but I think um, that many of us have learned a lot about ourselves in new ways. Yeah. It's certainly true. You mentioned nature being something that you really connect to, and I wanted to ask you about your studio. I know that you have an atelier that is your own artist space that you invite others to come work in as well. And it seemed to me when I looked it up um, that obviously most of Denmark is an island, but you're on this little island and you're not that far from the water. So I wanted to ask you about your local your local area and how do you experience that? Yeah. Tell me more about first of all for people who've never been to Denmark and second of all um about your studio and workspace. Yeah. I can only recommend to come to Denmark. It's a beautiful small country. We have a lot of <laughs> a lot of water around Denmark. Uh, where I live it's it's a very small island called Turø. And uh, we have a lot of trees and uh, beaches around. And um, it's mm, we are connected through a bridge, so we don't have to go by ferry or something. But it's still a small island. And you can feel the local society. They seem, I think we are very connected in, in knowing each other. And um, there's this calmness about this island. And yeah, I think Denmark is... How can I say? It's a very green country. and hmm. But I also think that Denmark is challenged by many things like many other countries are. You know, it's interesting because I read somewhere that Denmark is considered one of the happiest countries in the world. Yeah. And uh, I think that's correct, too. It has been... I think the Finnish people are, are the most uh, <laughs> happy people now. But I think we have, um, I mean, in many ways, Denmark is a very, very great place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, but you asked me about my atelier. And um, right now I'm offering open heart workshops at my atelier. And I'm inviting people for creative workshops and courses Exactly on this theme of how they relate to their own heart and and uh, what they experience the heart is capable of. So my workshop is a mixture between, yeah, science from the heart. We explore heart energy through interactive exercises, heart meditations. We work with uh, creative art and with our feelings and personal stories about this theme. So. On Sunday, I have participants in my workshops here in my atelier. And uh, I also live here with my husband and we have two grown-up children here. So we, um, I really love this place. I feel very grateful about this, actually. Yeah. 
I want to ask more about your painting. Can you tell me, first of all, what you paint and what that process is like for you? Yeah. Like I mentioned before, it started with all those Greenlandic-inspired paintings, but uh, through the later or recently, I have been more intuitive, intuitively painting uh, my paintings. <laughs> and this might sound a little odd, but I can ask, what is the next step? What color now? What? Uh, or sometimes I just know that I have to make it ugly, 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 and then <laughs> and then I can release myself in uh, release my head and go more in into actually my heart energy or something yeah like intuitiveness uh, showing me what to do now it's it's actually very much about no head at all and just give yourself free for yeah you understand me i do and it feels like that's also part of the component of the antenna <laughs> of the heart like yeah. there's something out there in the ether that you're capturing and then you're putting it into form through this painting and many artists have described the muse or they've described the channeling of creative forces and i feel like when we're open to that we're open to life and we're open to not only self-expression but just expressing what is? I mean, so many paintings look at nature and then do some interpretation of nature. That is in itself an expression of what is out there. And so to use your heart as an instrument of receptivity to be able to receive inspiration and also, I think, flow state. Yeah. Uh, Shehai Mikchek Mihai, I will overdub that name because I can't say it, but such a great book about the flow state of top performers, athletes, and artists where you just get into this place of no mind, as they say in Zen, Wu Wei, no mind, and just being and experiencing and you become the universe expressing through you mm. when you get into that state. And it's the most divine feeling yes. isn't it <laughs> yes yes um i'm also very um how do you say humble to that feeling humble to that kind of energy working through me and um and also in and when that happens it's like uh, where did that come from <laughs> and and exactly i know when it's like i'm in flows this flow energy it has to be like that it's it's not connected with any kind of mind or our head it's really it's just about some uh, something that would like to, to go through you and and express itself it's like channeling actually and it's so universal to artists i think virtually every artist has touched that at one point or another but it's an experience that can be cultivated and I think that's one of the values of your open heart project is to first to learn to connect in coherence with yourself to become more receptive and more open. Can you talk to me about the experiences that people have had in sharing heart space and gazing toward each other and opening, practicing that open hearted space person to person? Yes, um, I have had um, this workshop with both children, youngsters, and adults about this heart energy and, for example, heart uh, meditations or looking into each other's eyes in silence. And something beautiful happens, especially with the children. Uh, it's like they know exactly what we talk about when it's about heart energy. We, we don't have to use a lot of words to just know. And they could twice in this session look in silence into each other's eyes in completely silence. But the grown-ups, adults, had troubles about that. They couldn't. They couldn't. And they started to laugh. But wow. the, yeah, the children were just silence. And uh, they were also very silent about this heart meditations. And uh, wow. I, get, I have got those amazing um, words from those children. They, you know, they are really open and they're not so... Sorry, the word fucked up as us adults are. Yeah. If I'm sorry, I used the word. 
Um, no, it's okay. This is the yeah. Language of Creativity podcast, and there is language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I've been told that you cannot say that word. Uh, because, and- you know, sometimes that's the issue, is there's so much that we can't say. I know for me as an artist who works in music, I didn't think I could write lyrics for the longest time because there was a lot of things that in my community it was, you know, you don't say that, we don't think that. And it just, it did a number on my own freedom, on my own expression and my own authenticity. And I've been in a slow, gradual process of unlearning that heart wall that was built up over years of, you know, harmful interactions and painful experiences and uh, unhealthy community and unrealistic expectations and self-judgments. And, you know, there can be walls built around the heart, can't there? Yeah, yes. Right now, I think about Bolette, as he's a youngster in this heart project. And she says we can be vulnerable when we can't feel our hearts and we can be vulnerable when we open our hearts. Every time I feel seen and heard, I can feel it warms my heart and then it spreads. Mm. To feel each other, we first must feel ourselves. So it's this young girl, she's about 20 years old and she, yeah, she knows something here. Also Marika, she's only 11 years old. And she says, love makes your heart pump better. There are probably many people who died because they are alone. Mm. They couldn't get up in the morning because they haven't got any love. Oh, wow. Yes. To see another person with your heart is to see the good side of the person, the positive, and to hide the idiotic, heartless part of you away. The heart is what makes us humans. And this is Marika. She's only 11 years old saying this. So... Deeply respect. We've become rather heartless and idiotic as a society, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yes. I think that's one of the things that the world is suffering from is the lack of an open heart. Yes. It's endemic. Exactly. At this point. It's so accepted as this is just the way things are. And we're told that we can't keep our hearts open because to do that is just to paint a big red target on your back that says, you know, I'm going to get hurt. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like something has happened. It's like the mind is controlling more than um, it's dangerous to be this open-hearted person somehow. It's something has got wrong in this understanding between mind and heart, I think. And it, it's, uh, I think something is changing now for many of us. We we know that something has to be different for making more balance in ourselves and between us as humans. But it's, I think it's mm, challenging. Uh, it's, it's a journey with a lot of challenge. Uh, but I... Uh, you understand me? During the episode, you can check out images of Linda's artwork linked in the show notes. And I wanted to let you know about something I've been doing. Feeling the need for positive change in the world. This fall, I attended a course called Space Camp Towards Climate Stabilization hosted by the Buckminster Fuller Institute. We learned about practical, scalable solutions and fresh new ways to think about building a world that truly works for 100% of life. So I started another podcast interviewing participants from each of the 20 missions. Spaceship Earth Mission Log is available on YouTube and Apple Podcasts, and you can find the link in the show notes. Now, Back to my episode with Linda Reber. Just a side note, I've been enjoying this app on my phone called I Am. Yes. And it's an app that offers you affirmations throughout the day, and they're tailored to you in some way. I'm not sure how, but I think by the universe, because I get some of the most synchronistic. So today, right now, it says, I am grateful for the life I'm living. Yes. 
Oh, beautiful. I, yeah. yeah. I also really, really believe in synchronicity. Uh, yes. And actually, I think I see it quite often, but it, I have to slow down and like being silent, like I talked about before. Then I can see signs around, especially in nature. Yeah. When I see synchronicities often, I'll be thinking something and then I'll see something that relates to it, like out while I'm driving. Or yes. I'll read something somewhere and then someone will bring it up in conversation, unrelated. Or I've had books fall off of bookshelves. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Or, you exactly. know, I'll just walk yeah. into a bookstore and go, oh, this book, and then open it to just the right page. You know, I, yeah. I love yeah. that. I think it's yes. one of the ways that life speaks to us. Um. I wanted to talk about the public support for art in your community, supported by the public. Wikipedia says that public art is in any media whose form, function, and meaning are created for the general public through a public process. Public art is visually and physically accessible to the public. It is installed in a public space, both outdoor and indoor settings. Public art seeks to embody public or universal concepts rather than commercial, partisan, or personal concepts or interests. Notably, public art is also the direct or indirect product of the public process of creation, procurement, and or maintenance. So can you tell me a little bit more about the organization that's helping you to have permission in the first place to put these out on public streets? And how, how did that process come about? It has been, hmm, one can say, quite a, a long journey. Um, I think it's really um, a big challenge to find finances for your ideas because there are many artists who are applying for uh, those finances available. So I think it's a difficult job to fundraise money for the different kind of art projects, but but you have to move on. You have to trust in it, even if you go into a road that's ending and nothing comes out of it. And you then, then it could be a signal of, okay, maybe it has to be a different way. Maybe it has to give this up and, and think differently about it. Mm. But I have been into uh, many different challenges through this art project. And actually, I thought it was going to be a video installation and a book. And I had... Uh, seven professionals supporting me actually but we couldn't finance this huge idea it was simply to require too many money for for to get it out in the real so it i changed it all and and i think i was told to actually from the universe that it has to be completely my own project with those volunteers and not many other professionals views on this so mm. I have had many workshops and meetings with the volunteers during the period of making this art project. They were involved with the view upon their relationship to their own hearts and what they think it's capable of. And they helped to qualify the project's content and development in various ways. It was a great gift with their participation. I did all the funding myself, and I was lucky to get enough sponsorship as well from my hometown. People were quite helpful, and it finally helped to get out in the real world this summer. I got permission from Svendborg Municipality to exhibit out in the public place, and many people have seen and visited the exhibition for the three months it was there. Now the exhibition is stored in a warehouse before it moves further on. And in my workspace at home, in my Atelier Linda Rinkoy, I offer workshops and courses. And occasionally, I collaborate with other artists and cultural people from the area around. And some of them have exhibited in my atelier. And some of them have also had their own arrangements, such as music evening or lectures about different subjects. Yes, I had to get permissions from different authorities, but... Uh, but I know it's it's a challenge to get money for these big projects, but I really, really enjoy art projects because you can go more deep into a subject. You can go more deep into consciousness about different uh, themes. And I think art is for both science and, and art can 
make us talk about important things. And, and I also think that artwork can make us talk about um, the heart is important for us. <laughs> and, and I want to say, I'm, of course, I'm not a scientific person, but I have doing this research for a long time and I have this permission from HeartMath Institute to use some of their science into this project. How did you go about reaching out to HeartMath Institute? What was that process like? Very exciting for me. Uh, I wrote this email to HeartMath Institute and uh, first they told me they were very busy and sorry they couldn't answer my email further on. And suddenly Roland McCready wrote back to me that he was interested in my project and would like to know more. And that's, yeah, almost four years ago mm. now. And uh, during the years, I have informed him and HeartMath about this project, how it's evolving. And, uh, and still, it could be great that HeartMath or people in the United States someday could see this project. I, I, it could be translated from Danish to English. It could be wonderful, I think. Yeah, I was noticing how when I was looking at the exhibitions in Danish, how important the words were to conveying the concepts, because I'd heard you or uh, I'd read your speaking about it. And then when I looked at the pictures, I couldn't decipher. I saw the children's artwork, but there was this step removed for me. You see children's artwork and you just go, oh, that's cute. Right. But I think mm. the way that you're connecting to these concepts and the way that you're conveying what it is that you're tying together is very powerful. And I can only imagine what it's like with the musical component and the sound of the heartbeat. Yeah. And I love that about public installation because you can work in mixed media and sort of guide this experience of discovery that's somewhat nonlinear because one person may go look at the artwork first, one person may go read the words first. We're all different in the way that we take in a work of art, especially when there's multiple ways to connect with it. So I love that about yes. the exhibits. Yeah. And uh, the heartbeat, uh, hearing that makes you mm, into a special mood, I think, uh, on, oh, this is about the heart. You get into... Um, a different kind of mood if you only see those pillars. If you get the sound connecting or the heart poems, uh, the heart meditations, then you get into this mood in another way than just looking at the pillars uh, and the pictures yeah, and the words, actually. I hear you like to say the heart is more than just a pump. Yes, for sure. For me, it is. And <laughs> I also can't help but reflect on how the heart is a very loyal pump. Like it beats day in, day out, nonstop, consistently for your entire yes. life. And is that not such a wonderful metaphor for love? Yeah. It's just incredible that this heart just beat and beat and beat. <laughs> and the, the heart is very special. You cannot love another person with your. Hmm, lungs or with your elbow you you <laughs> you love the person with your heart <laughs> and so it's i think it's so interesting that all those both during history but also now all those um songs and poems focus on the heart there's also some scientific proof that there's an intuitiveness about the heart there's actually something to it. It's not just words or feelings. It's, it's, there's something real to it that you can prove. Let's talk about the intuitive side of it for a minute, because I'm a big fan as a person who is sensitive to energy. When I discovered or when someone turned me on to the idea of the energy centers in the body, also known yeah. as the chakras, I found that working with that awareness really helped me to regulate my own internal landscape, my own physical landscape, my own well-being and energy. And there's a flow, there's a chi, there's a prana to the movement of energy within our bodies and outside of our bodies. As you said with heart math, like the energy magnetically extends beyond your body. And it makes sense to understand that as an aura. I mean, 
as a highly sensitive person, I every day have the experience of standing too close to someone in line. And suddenly they come into your space and you don't even have to see them coming, but you can feel them coming, especially when they enter a certain distance from you and suddenly you're not alone. They're in your space. And I'm sure everyone has had a version of that experience, but for me, it's always been way more pronounced. So as I start to contemplate the heart center and there's the navel center and there's the root and there's the crown and there's these different parts of us, there's the throat energy and they have physiological symptoms. Like if you get a lump in your throat because you're afraid to speak or you get heartbreak and it physically hurts in your heart center. Or you get a knot in your Mm. stomach because you're just worried or afraid. These things are very, very physiological in nature. And so to correlate a sense of empirical evidence for at least part of that is very validating to me. It's very exciting to see that people are doing good research on that. But it's not something we didn't know. I mean, like I said, you know, you don't have to be spiritual to be a poet. And poets have talked about the heart for millennia. So I think it's an intrinsic part of what we are experiencing. So to embrace that and to, to work with that as you do in your meditations and in your reflections, it's very healing on a personal level. But I think that if we all could connect to our own hearts and to each other's hearts, I think it would begin to create an effect on a society level. I hope. I hope so, too. What about you? I really hope so, too. I think we we can get in trouble in, in being too much in our mind. And if we are too busy and we're too afraid or too... Uh, overwhelmed about what is happening around in the world, it can be very difficult to to have this trust in something knowingness inside of you. You you don't need to have answers anywhere outside of you. You can actually just be silent and go inside of this intuitive place in you. And we have this we have this empowerment to do that. And I think we forget often. And I do too, actually. Uh, I'm not a, a hero in this at all, but I'm just both very curious, but I have this deep feeling when I'm in this heart connection. I, I'm just uh, more, I'm really just more happy and more alive. And, and we, I think we need, something needs to change on this earth to, um, to go more from mind to heart and, what can we do about that? What, how do we move further on? Do you have any answers for that? We met in a course through a teacher who was teaching Own Your Value. <laughs> and I know that for artists in particular, that that is a source subject. We live in a monetary world. We live... <laughs> Where there is a lot of pressure to have money for things and to earn money. And the choice to be an artist can be frustrating if you're trying to create value with it. You might feel a sense of tension with the idea of making something commercial that could sell versus making something heartfelt or that you want to make. So what was that process like for you of learning how we could reframe or use money in a way that understands the wholeness of who we are and not just the commodification of it? Tell me more about your experience with owning your value as an artist. Yeah, it's like I'm evolving through old programming to more being connected to my soul and to my heart and I'm quite aware about that I move both into the programming and out of the programming and into my soul and to my heart and it's it's like um hmm, 
you just uh, have a daily life where you move in and out of these different kind of worlds, if you can say that. And I think the awareness and consciousness about it and building bridges between old programming and, and the new beginning, if you can say so, it's, yeah. And when I talk about old programming, it's like this course is called Own Your Value and and it uh, relates to me because I'm, I feel challenged about owning my own value, even though I've been working with this field for so long. And it's like these old programming is challenging me. I don't know exactly what to say about it, but I just know that this resonates with me. What made you go to this course, Own Your Value? There was a sense that I'm ready to make a leap into something beyond where I was limiting myself. And every time I would go into meditation with the question, okay, what next? I would sort of get this sense that whatever I'm dreaming about isn't big enough. (laughs) And I think that came out of this evolving sense that I have of more and more understanding that to really make a difference in the world, we have to fully embody the gifts that we're born with. Because nobody benefits if everyone in the world is sitting around being scared to do anything that makes a positive impact. So in the understanding that we live in a world that operates on a monetary model at this time, and that that isn't likely to go away soon, I've been on this journey of trying to understand and reframe the idea of money because like one of the most helpful concepts I ever learned was when I started to do like healing sessions where they would talk about an energy exchange. So an energy exchange could be monetary. I give you five krona and then you have that value that is collectively agreed to. And you can use that to buy something. Mm -hmm. But also, there's value in sharing with each other. So if I cook you a meal, that has value, not just because of the food, but also because of the preparation, and also because of maybe how it makes you feel that someone would care enough for you to make you the food or to spend the time with you. So that's value. And ultimately, when you look at our... (laughs) This is going to seem a little heady, so let me see if I can connect it into the heart. Um, Art can become commodified to where really it's worth whatever someone will pay for it. And that can often be very arbitrary. (laughs) So I think the frustration for artists is that, you know, you get into a situation where you You couldn't sell your artwork on the street for a nickel because nobody cares versus Banksy, who made an art piece that the moment it was auctioned at Sotheby's got shredded (laughs) (laughs) as a public statement of like, this is ridiculous. And I've heard many, many artists talk about exhibiting in galleries and how They want to make art that is really authentic, but then it's just going to be bought up by some really wealthy person just to basically become a stock portfolio and the intrinsic tug of war that that causes inside and all of the conflicts of values and society and how imbalanced it all is. And I know some of us can really fight with ourselves over that. So I don't know, for me, like, when I do my work, I do set my own prices. And often those prices have been way too low. Yeah, I mean, not only where pricing was 20 years ago and how hard I had to work to get here, but maybe also the fact that music work was really undervalued in the last Mm. two decades. And it used to be worth a lot more. And intrinsically, it's worth a lot more. But people don't necessarily, if they're producing something themselves, have the money to pay for it. And so I've been asking a lot of questions about, well, what do I do to make ends meet? How do I make a living? And I think for me, the biggest takeaway from Own Your Value has been to continue the process of exploration of the question of what do I have that is valuable 
and to extend that understanding to how that might be applied in a mutually positive exchange. So mm. that includes me not undervaluing myself. Because if something's a lot of work or a lot of energy or I'm holding a lot of space, then that's energy that I'm putting out that if I'm not getting exchanged for it, if I'm not getting compensated for it, then that literally comes out of my pocket. That's the shirt off my back. And if I only have one shirt to give off yeah. my back, once I've given the shirt off my back, then, well, <laughs> I'm going to need to find a blanket or something, right? So the most valuable thing that I took out of that course was... The idea that half of the value that you have in an interchange is literally how people experience you. Mm. Are they comfortable with you? Do they like you? Do they want... Because they're not just buying the thing. They're not just... I guess in the case of art, to put your heart into the art is that sense of you and who you are and what you bring to your view of the world, what you have to add. And you could probably tell the difference between something that someone's made that's heartless or it's just automatic versus something that they really put their heart in. And I think you can tell the difference between something that has love in it versus self-loathing in yeah. it. And how that translates creates the experience of the participants and I just think to infuse a sense of heart with whatever you do and to check in with yourself about what is a genuine use of my time? What is it that I truly want to give so that comes from a place of giving as opposed to that heady place of, well, if I do this, then maybe they'll like it. Or, you know, if I do this and maybe it'll get exhibited or and, and that's always like at a disconnect. That's never really gonna be genuine. Even if it works, it's not coming from you. It's not aligned with you. So why would you want to live this life where you're doing something that you didn't want? And that's, to me, the value of checking in with your heart, right? Yes. It has to be aligned with you. I completely agree with you. And uh, this project is completely aligning with me now. And, and I'm sure this project also can bring something to other people and then it has already done and right now I'm talking to you and you're also interested in this this heart energy this heart project so um yeah we really maybe it sounds a little ridiculous but we really have to use we have to go with our hearts uh, in the heart wisdom the heart intelligence in especially as artists because if you don't you, you really lose yourself to something like just for earning money. But if you do the same paintings over and over again, because it can make other people want to buy exactly this kind of paintings, then you, what is back inside of you then? Is it aligning with you anymore? Just reproducing everything. So it's, I think it's really, being an artist is a, a consciousness journey. It's mm -hmm. not... Um, Repeating and repeating and repeating. It's like exploring um, energy, exploring something greater than you, exploring a consciousness, creativity, um, and actually also spirituality. Yes. It's, it's very much connected, I think. Art is soul work. Yes. <laughs> Completely agree. I love that. And it's a process that you're going through that maybe you might go through even if... You weren't making money for it. And that's where the value actually is, ironically. Yes. And I think that's what people find is genuine. Okay. Well, I would like to close with one last question. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for everyone listening on how one might open their heart? Or maybe get more in tune or better touch with their own heart? Um, I think this little heart meditation where you breathe a little deeper than you did before, a little slower than you did before, close your eyes and imagine that you breathe in and out of your heart area Maybe take your hand up to the heart area and continue 
to breathe in and out of your heart? And then you can ask your heart, dear heart, am I connecting with you right now? And is there something you would like to tell me right now? I need to know, you want to show me. And right now I hear these words, there's light in your heart. And I think we all have light in our hearts when we connect. And this light is universal. And I think when we connect with that, uh, we are homing ourselves in another way than when we're not connecting. Hmm. Linda Reber, I have so much love for you and your work and your authenticity. Thank you for being my guest on the Language of Creativity podcast. Where can people find you and your work and connect with you on social media and otherwise? Thank you. That's amazing. Great, great. Because I think my new website is ready. It's linda-reiber.dk. And my Facebook link is Atelier Linda Reiber, and um, and you can go, but it's mostly in Danish, but you also on YouTube, there's some videos about my heart project, but right now it's just in Danish. So I think in the United States, you have trouble understanding it. <laughs> you can send me the links for all those, and I will include those in the show notes. So everyone go look at the show notes right now, and all these links yes. are in there. And if you're using Chrome, Google Translate will translate for you. And if you're on YouTube, you can just hit the little CC and it'll translate oh, into wow. English for you. It's well worth checking out. I didn't know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. This has been wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. And Stephen, I deeply appreciate talking to you and uh, inviting me for this podcast. And it's very inspiring for me to talk with you because you, you just understand and you just know some of the themes that I'm occupied with and I'm really grateful for this interview this dialogue mm -hmm. thank you so much please look up Linda and her art and work like subscribe and share with your friends please this is the language of creativity podcast 